circumstances of Jeff's mom uh, passing away. Uh, she was part of First Baptist North Vernon for a time when I was there, so I, I, I knew his mom. I prayed with his mom a considerable number of times and um, know what Jeff said is, is right. Um, his, his mom is racing down the streets of gold, and that is a good thing. I, I pray if by some chance you're still in the I think I'm going to heaven stage or I hope I'm going to heaven you need to talk to somebody today. Because you don't have to think you are. You don't have to hope you are. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt what will happen to you. So, so just use this opportunity to kind of make sure, as, as our worship leader said to us this morning, you know which door you're going through. And you know what's on the other side. So as, as we begin this morning, um, I, I'd like to begin with prayer now that we've kind of done the official welcome kind of stuff that you have to do to kind of do these things. Let's, let's pray together and let's dig into God's word, okay? Father, I thank you very much for the, the honor that it is to speak to your people from your word. And, and God, might that be the thing that all of us keep in mind here, that this is your stuff we're dealing with. It's not ours that we have to hold loosely and, and yet to be confident in who you are and what you do because your word is true. And so God, show us how to trust it more. Show us how to become the people that you died for us to be. Uh, I pray, Lord, that we not miss a thing. And I thank you for that, God. God, help me to hide behind the cross of Jesus Christ. It is perfectly fine, Lord, if nobody remembers my name at the end of today. But Lord, please don't let them forget your name. Might you be honored and glorified in what we do and say, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you would, I'd, I'd like you to take your Bible. And we're going to turn to one of the smallest books in the Bible. In fact, so small it doesn't even have chapters, it just has verses. Uh, I'd like you to turn to Philemon with me. And I have, I've, be, I've become convinced that the best sermons are the ones that we preach to ourselves, if that makes sense to you. Um, I believe the best sermons are the ones where, where as I sit and listen and, and, and a, a, a speaker kind of weaves through uh, my hearing and my mind, it's those ones that I will say, well, what about that in my life? What about this? And, and so I'm going to ask a bunch of questions today, and I really believe that if you will, will take those questions and, and, and ask them of yourself and seek to find answers to those questions, that the sermon that you preach to yourself will be a life-changing thing for you. And, and so um, we're, we're just going to look at the first six verses um, of Philemon, and I'm kind of astounded at everything that is in there, and I'm convinced that there's even more that I don't know. So if you have Philemon um, and the glow of your phone is lighting up your face, that's awesome to me. Um, it used to be uh, early in my days, I would love to hear the pages of the Bible turn. And now it's just the glow of the phones um, that make me know that you're, that you're into this. So um, what, I, what I like to do is, is we're just going to read a verse or maybe two and we're going to just talk about it. We're going to tear it out and kind of look at what, what does this have to say in my life. And so this begins this way. Philemon 1 says, Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Now, we're going to stop there, and I, I know that the sentence goes on, so there's really more to this, but, but let, let's just kind of begin for a moment. And we, we recognize that the Apostle Paul is writing to this guy by the name of Philemon, and and he, he calls him uh, certain things. He says, you're, um, you're, you're a dear friend and you're a, a fellow worker. But, but before we get there, let's, let's see the kind of descriptors that Paul uses even as he talks about himself. And, and what does he say about himself? He says, I'm Paul and I'm a prisoner 
of Christ Jesus. Now, this is an interesting use here because he's not saying I'm a prisoner for Christ Jesus. He is saying Jesus has captured me. And I think, whoa. Jesus would say, I've got Paul. I've got him right where I want him. And, and we know Paul went through tons of stuff. I mean, we, we don't need to describe in this group all that Paul has gone through, but it's, it's struggle after struggle after struggle. And, and yet, I, I can somehow hear Jesus saying, Paul, I got you right where I want you for right now. I've got you. And Paul describes that as, I'm his prisoner. So the first question I'd, I'd like to ask us is simply this. Would Jesus... Describe you as his prisoner. Would Jesus say, I got you? There's a flip side of this that I think is incredibly important. Because you see, the prisoners of the Lord Jesus Christ are doing what Jesus has said. I, I don't know about you, I've been one of those guys, I've been a prisoner. And, and you know what? When you're a prisoner, you do what they tell you to do. You shower when they tell you to shower. You eat when they tell you to eat. You sleep when they tell you to sleep. Well, you don't necessarily sleep, but they surely turn the lights out. And, and so the question would be, are you, are you, are you doing what Jesus tells you to do? And, and I mean, I, I go to one that I think is, has been issued, a command that is issued for all people, that we are to go into the world and make disciples, all of us. That's the call on our lives. That's the command that is issued for our lives. So would Jesus say that I'm his prisoner, or is it possible that Jesus might say you're keeping him prisoner? That you followers of the Lord Jesus Christ in this room that know that if I, if I walk through the doorway of death today, I will walk straight into heaven. Are you keeping him prisoner when he has given his spirit to you to go into all the world and to make disciples and to share this gospel, this good news with people? Are you locked him up inside of you? I'm reminded, Dewey Turner is in the room. And I met Dewey on a golf course. And Dewey said, I don't know if he'll even remember, he's like 80, so he <laughs> may not even remember all this. I, I would go up to the golf course and I would wait to meet people to play golf on a Monday morning. And it just so happened that, that Dewey was there. I didn't know him from anybody. But we started playing golf together. And, and Dewey had the propensity to be able to use some foul language at times. When I first met him. I... And we played several weeks in a row of golf. And we were somewhere off the, the first green of this golf course we would go to and and a, a guy from the church that I knew came up and called me pastor. And if you remember, I've always asked people not to introduce me to anybody as a pastor. Just introduce me as a guy you go to church with. And um, so this guy, pastor, how you doing? And, and, and like Dewey gets mad at me. Why didn't you blankety blank tell me you were a pastor? And I said, because if I did, you probably wouldn't have played golf with me. He said, well, it's too late. I like you. <laughs> if you keep Jesus locked up, people like Dewey Turner don't come to know Jesus. We sat in his driveway, and he trusted Christ as his Lord and Savior. Now, I, I, I'm not sharing that because I'm some kind of super 
uh, Christian because I'm not. I mean, those of you that know me, I'm pretty much an idiot. But, but what you've got has been put into this clay vessel the Bible talks about. This, this broken, not so fancy kind of vessel that is designed to hold the spirit of the living God. But not to keep a lid on it so that you just keep it for yourself, but to spread it out over the people that you know. And so I just ask that question, am I, keeping, am I keeping Jesus locked up? Am I, am I his prisoner or is he mine? You know, Paul talks about in, um, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, the very, very beginning of Ephesians 3, and, and he says there that he says, I'm a prisoner on behalf of you Gentiles. I'm a prisoner for you. And so if Jesus is holding you prisoner right now, who's he holding you prisoner for? It's not all the found folks that are in your life. It's not all the saved people. It's not the churchy folk. Crothersville is still overrun with lostness. There are neighbors some of them are our children, they're friends. And if Jesus has got you, hasn't he got you for a purpose? So, okay, well, we've, we've got to second word in the chapter. And it says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. You know, I, I stop and I, I, I think about what some of these things mean. And I, I, I have been, I've, I've worked on a factory line, I have worked construction, I, I've worked. And I, I know many of you, and I know you've done the same thing. And, and, and you recognize how important it is to have good people to work with. I mean, in, in fact, it gets under my skin, but there are a lot of people that all they want to do is get paid. They don't really want to work. And I think that that absolutely is a slap in the face. If you're a believer and you're not the best worker in the place, there's something wrong with you. And it starts with your relationship with Jesus where that cannot possibly be true. That you have a right relationship with God and, and you're not totally in, in, in your work circumstance. So I, I've kind of looked at this and wondered what Paul would say because Paul says about Philemon that he's not only a friend, but he is a fellow worker, a fellow laborer. So if, the next question I want to ask is this. Go ahead. Would Paul describe me as a fellow worker? I mean, am, am I pulling my weight in the gospel? Because isn't that what, isn't that all that matters? I mean, when Jesus saves someone, why don't we just get scooped up to heaven? Why don't it just end? I mean, if our purpose is just to get saved, why don't we just, whoop, we're gone. Beam me up, Scotty. But it doesn't work that way. Our relationship with Jesus, he leaves us here, he keeps us prisoner, and there is a purpose for that, and we work alongside of others. It is amazing to me how often things get done in teams. It's all about teamwork. There's very little that gets accomplished individually. I mean, we, we look at, the, at the, any great sports achievements. Those guys aren't by themselves, not in anything. It doesn't matter what sport it is. Nobody is entirely alone. There are trainers and, and people that are working with them to make that possible. So I look at my life and I go, Paul, would you describe me as a fellow worker? 
And sadly, I, I think there are some times that Paul might say, Bob, I think you're, you're, working, you're working on the other side. You're getting in the way. When my son was little, Jonathan was part of this church. Jonathan is now 31. Um, that's why I bring her along, <laughs> is to help me on these things. Um, when Jonathan was very little, Kathy and I were remodeling a home in, in Michigan, in Clio, Michigan. And, and so Jonathan was three, maybe something like that. And he was going to help me in everything I did. How much help was Jonathan? <laughs> Not much. In fact, in so many ways, he, didn't, he, he, he was just in the way. But you know now that a kid can do that stuff himself that we did when he was three? I mean, hanging drywall, finishing drywall, stuff that, that people just do. I mean, this idea of being a fellow worker is one that says, I'm part of the team and it doesn't matter. I, I've met a lot of folk that want to be part of the team. The problem is they want to be the head of the team. And, and I, 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 I do leadership now. Um, basically, that's, that's all I do is I, I lead leadership conferences and, and do leadership. And I, I get to preach on Sunday mornings in, in, in places. Um, but, but this idea of of being a, a leader is that you have to be willing to lead in any way, and oftentimes that means you need to follow. And if you can't follow, you can never be a good leader. Never. And so this, this thing about Paul saying, would you describe me as a fellow worker? And I was like, sometimes. So, so would you ask yourself the question, would Paul say to you, you are his fellow worker in the cause of Christ? And if he wouldn't describe you that way, what needs to change in your life? And what's going to have to happen for that to change? I mean, what is it going to be? A fellow pastor, a guy that uh, was pastoring in the same community that I pastored in after I left Crothersville in Shelbyville, he passed away on Thursday. I mean, as we get older, we recognize we don't really have much time if we have any. And so if you ask the question, God, am, am I a fellow worker? Am, am I that kind of guy? And you come up with a no, then, then find a way to turn it into a yes. Find a way to adjust what you're doing. Because if you're not on the team with Paul and with those that are spreading the gospel and doing gospel ministry work, then what are you really doing that's productive, really? Work for something that will outlive you. Too many people that we know go through this life and die and they are forgotten. May that not be you. In the, in the second verse, so we, we should read the first and the second together. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Apphia, our sister. And, and this Apphia, it, it's interesting because nobody knows who she is. You know, we, we, we kind of, scholars, and you always say a scholar is just somebody that you don't really know them. And you're not exactly sure why they are saying what they're saying, but scholars say that this could be Philemon's wife, or it could be his sister. But nobody knows. But I think it's interesting that scripturally she's remembered because she's doing something special. I don't care why God remembers me. I just want him to. It, it, so to Philemon, my our dear friend and fellow worker, to Apphia, our sister. And, and then it's interesting, he, he mentions to Archippus, our fellow soldier. Now, when you start to do research, and, and I, I do this um, as I prepare to, to preach, as I start to just look up, who are these folks? Where do they come from? What are they doing? Well, Apphia, no clue. 
Archippus is mentioned one other time in Scripture. One other time. He's mentioned in the second to the last verse of Colossians, Colossians 4.17. And it says this, Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work that you have received in the Lord. That's, that's all that's mentioned about him. Just see to it that you complete the work you've received in the Lord. I think this is a really interesting piece, and you almost have to stop here for just a second. A lot of us are starters. Did you start an exercise program? Did you start eating well? There are a lot of us that are starters, but there aren't that many of us that are finishers. I have a, a bucket list kind of a thing, and I, I'm not even sure it's a bucket list because it's just something I, I would really like to be able to do. I would like to hike the Appalachian Trail from beginning to end. I'd like to do that. My wife thinks I'm crazy, but I'd like to do it. Last year, two years ago, 2016, there were 3,377 people that started to walk the Appalachian Trail from beginning to end. It's not an easy task. It's five months of backpacking. So it's not like it's easy. 3,377 began. How many, how many ended, do you think? How many made it? 20% of them. 20%. 685 folks were finishers. I, I think... There are a lot of us that are starters. But I believe that God has called us to be finishers. What, what, what does Paul say about that? Um, stick your finger where you are in your Bible and turn back with me to Acts chapter 20. And I'd, I'd like to read just three verses out of there, but I think it's important for your eyes to land on it for a moment. Acts 20, 22. Paul is is uh, coming to the end of his freedom. And he writes, this is written about what Paul says. It says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That's not just a Paul task. It's everyone who has claimed the name of Jesus. Is that you? Have you claimed the name of Jesus as your one and only Savior? Because if you have, then the task is the gospel mission of making sure people know who he is. Paul says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I finish the task. I believe we're all called to be finishers. But when Paul speaks about Archippus, he calls him, he says, Archippus, our fellow soldier. How many military vets in here? Any? Okay, there's three of four of us. You're a former Marine, correct? That's what I thought. Well, you brothers will fully embrace what I'm saying. When I went through training, I was part of the Army Security Agency. There were people I was in training with that I didn't want by my side at certain times. They were dangerous to me. In fact, my thought was, if I'm standing next to this guy, I could get myself killed. When Paul talks about a fellow soldier, he is talking about somebody that he would go to battle with. 
Now, I want to take that out of the physical realm for a moment, and I want to put it into the spiritual realm. My prayer partner for 15 years used to say to me a very simple thing. He said, if Satan is on the other side of those double doors and you have to go battle with him, who's going with you? Who do you want to be by your side? Brothers and sisters, you better be identifying people right now that you say, that guy, that girl, those are mine. They're my fellow soldiers, the ones I can depend on in the spiritual warfare of life. And sadly, we take our Christianity at so low a value that we don't really know some of those people. We don't really know a group of people that we'd say, I want that guy. And name him by name. Because in some ways, Satan wants to make this seem like such a smooth life that there really isn't a spiritual battle out there. You just need God for when you get sick and you know you're going to die. You just need these little things going on in your life and, and God will be your Santa Claus. Friends, there is a spiritual warfare going on and your battleground is you and your family. And the enemy is seeking to destroy you. This is not a game. But all, far too often, we, we don't take the seriousness enough. I have fully identified the men that I would take with me through that door, and they're not all men. But if I had to go fight Satan, I know who I'm calling. And I know they would show up. So, the question would be asked, would Paul describe me as his fellow soldier? Or might Paul say, well, I'd like to be polite to you, but Paul wouldn't be polite. Would he call you a pretender? Are you a Christian pretender? I mean, you know when to act it. <clears throat> Don't be a pretender. Don't do it. Because we won't get to heaven because we went to church. We won't get to heaven because we gave money to the church. We won't get to heaven because we preached sermons. We won't get to heaven because we've been baptized. It's our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I am concerned that Jesus takes this a whole lot more seriously than we do. And because of that, are there some of us going to be very shocked The Pharisees would have been shocked. We thought we did everything we were supposed to do. We followed all the, all the rules. We, we, we did everything we were supposed to do. Are you a fellow soldier? Are you a fellow worker? Those are ways you can answer that question. When, when, when Paul speaks, and he's speaking to Apphia and to Archippus, and, and it's interesting because this is a greeting that he is doing, and, and so he, he finishes this, and he says, to Apphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, that interesting descriptor, and then to the church that meets in your home. And, and we know early in the days of Christianity that, that church was home, 
there were no buildings that you were building that were, were being cathedrals or churches in these days. It was, it was just somebody's home, and they, they began to meet, and they would study the scriptures together, as much of the scriptures as they could get, which would be very, very little. Sometimes they would have just a portion of one book or a letter, but they would do the best that they could to, to sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, and they would, would speak of the Lord Jesus, and, and they would pray and it would be in their homes. And I, 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 as I first started to read this passage, I, I remember thinking, okay, this, this isn't really us anymore because we don't do it this way. And yet, yes, we do. We should be. And it may not be starting a church in your home, but if you've got a wife and a child, men, you are the head of a church in your home. Do you read scripture at home? Have you ever shared the Lord's Supper? At home. Would Paul say to me, you got a church meeting in your home. And I have to tell you that this is an area that I'm not, um, I've got no place to, to, to shout or brag. It's a place that I wish I would have done a better job. I mean, we did some things right. I mean, my children are all uh, in church this morning. They're, they're all, some, some of them are um, actively uh, members in their churches and, and doing positive things. And it's not that I, my kids didn't turn out the way I want them to, but I didn't do this as well as I could have done it. Now, now listen to me. Some of you are going, yeah, Bob, I agree with you. Um, I didn't do it that well either. And, and we could then just kind of fall into this, well, it's too late, it's done, it's over. I don't have to do anything else. Because I can't, because my kids are all grown. Do you know what it would mean to an adult child if a parent goes to them and says, you know, I, I screwed up. I really didn't do everything that I should have done, and I just want you to know that I've learned that. I know that now. And you may not be able to fix anything, but by God's grace, they may hear your sincere apology to them and to say, yes, but we can change it. In my generation, I don't have to do that. I now know. I sensed it, but didn't know what direction to go. I have said this for years, and you guys have heard it, some of you. It is never too late to say I'm sorry. Never. Just say you're sorry, pick yourself up, and go on. So, so Paul says, I greet you to the group that's in the church. Excuse me, I, I, I greet you and the, the church that meets in your home. You know, the, the church is an interesting word. Um, in, in Greek, it is this, it's a compound word. Um, ekklesia is the, is the name of it. And, and it, it ba basically is this compound. Ek is the beginning word. And it just means out. Out. And, and, and the lasia piece of that word um, is, is just to, that you are called out from. Called out from. And you see, we have been called out from the world into new life with Jesus. It, 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 I know sometimes it feels like we found Jesus. Well, not really. He hunted you down. He gave you no rest. He was at every turn in your life waiting for you to open your eyes and to see your salvation. You have been called out from to him. We've been called out from the world to God and for God. And so just simply, we might answer this question in another way. Are the practices of the church happening in your home? Now, think about the differences, typically, between how we act when we come into a church building, right? 
Some of you still use foul language in your everyday life. You didn't swear when you were in here, did you? You didn't. Poor Dewey, when he came to Jesus, he would, he would inadvertently start to cuss, and then he'd turn to me and say, oh, I'm sorry. I said, Dewey, it's not, it's not me. Poor Dewey, he's getting exampled here. This is not even fair. I have to tell my kids that, because the, <laughs> they're the ones that always get to be the example. Okay, but, but, but here's the thing. Do you, do you recognize you act differently when you come here? And that shouldn't be. Our homes should be the most sacred place that we go to. Do you recognize, though, that when you're at home, that's where people get treated the worst? So are the the practices of the church happening in your home? And and if you say no, then then you have got to step back and to say, how do we do this, wife? How do we set the boundaries appropriately for our lives that we are doing this correctly? Okay, let's now look at the third verse together, and and we're going to read 3, 4, and 5 to kind of move along this a little bit better. Um, Paul writes, it says, grace to you, to the folks that he has written to, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Man, I, I, I look at that, and number one, I'm appreciative that Paul is always thanking God for people. But the thing that gets me here is that the, the faith of Philemon is so great that Paul has heard about his faith. Now, that may not surprise you very much in the day of Facebook and social media, because we can hear about anything in a moment. But in the days of Paul, he's heard about the faith of this guy that doesn't live even in the same country that he lives in. That's amazing to me. And so I, 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 I guess it just makes me ask the question, would, would Paul hear of my faith? And Okay, I'm not real pleased with this answer either. I think I've got an average faith. I think I've got the kind of faith that people... People aren't going to go, wow, I want to have a faith like Bob does. But do you know that's what we're called to? To have the kind of faith that people look to and to say, I want to be like that lady. I want to be like that brother. This this is not... um, you know, a moment or a seventh of a week that we spend uh, in Christianity. It is a lifetime pursuit of chasing down the holiness of God. Paul, hear of your faith. He says, "I, I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. So would he hear of your faith in Christ? Would he hear of your love for all God's people? Or would he just hear of your love for some of God's people? There there is a church that I'm aware of that the pastor has done, I think, an amazing thing when he was teaching on the the one sheep out of the hundred that ran away and and so the 99 were left behind as the one was chased and he recognized this pastor did that that one sheep was precious to Jesus and so this guy began to instead of calling people that didn't know Christ Lost people, he called them the precious.
Do you recognize that all of the people that you will see today and tomorrow and this week, every single one of them is precious in his sight? That the sacrifice that he made for your sins, he made for theirs. And sometimes, my friends, I think we end up loving each other really well. I've watched you as you gathered together this morning, and I saw this kind of overwhelming experience of welcoming and loving, and I thought, this is good. But are we doing this for all of the people or just some of the people? For 36 years, I did not know Jesus I was one of the precious, though. So were you. So I don't want Jesus to look at me and go, yeah, I, you, you, you love some of God's people. Because what we, we think about is, that, well, I, I love the folks in the church. Well, how do you know who the church is going to be next year, the year after? What's it going to look like? And in fact, some of our, our old scholars, the fathers of the church, would say that the church is invisible. There are many people here this morning that are not really part of the church. Because the only way you get to be part of the church is with a personal relationship with the Father through the Son. And there's some of us who are trusting on our baptism, on our membership, on, on our family upbringing, We're, all those kinds of things. And it's just not the way it's supposed to be. So, so would he hear of your love for God's people? Let's look at that sixth verse and uh, let's bring this to, uh, to a close. I, I, uh, you recognize what it means to bring something to a close to a preacher. Absolutely nothing. Just so that you, you know that. Paul says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. This is, this is interesting to me. Paul prays that Philemon and Aphia and Archippus would be active in sharing their faith. Brothers and sisters, would you pray that I would be active in sharing my faith? Would we pray for each other that we would be active in praying for our faith. Oh, we pray for illness, we pray for sickness, we pray for so many things. But when was the last time you prayed that the person sitting a row in front of you would share their faith, that they would be active there? Scripturally, there's a call for us to do that. But, but the interesting part about this is not just for the precious. Because that's what sharing our faith is about. It's for the precious, for those that don't know. But there is this, this return of this that says, be active in sharing your faith. I'm praying for that so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Do you get it? If you are not actively sharing your faith, you don't understand all that you have in Christ. Now, why is that? I don't know. I just know it's true. Why? Because the Bible says it. I, I made a list here. If you'd go to the next slide for me, please. And you've done a great job making the slides go until right now. Um, yeah, one, one more. I'm just picking on you. Sorry. Go ahead. One more. Click. Oh, okay, one more. I know it's in here. There we go. I, I, just, I just grabbed some of the, um, the passages of Scripture that say what we are in Christ. Because, because that, that's the thing that Paul is talking about. It, I'm free of accusation. I'm blameless before God. I am a son of light and not of the darkness. I have a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. I am a member of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a person for God's own possession. I am an enemy 
of Satan. Be proud of that. I have the right to come boldly before the throne. I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I have the mind of Christ. All of those things become into clarity as we are obedient to the call of God on our life to go into all the world and to make disciples because that's what we're called to do. When my children were small, they had very few tasks around the house. My son had this job to take down the garbage cans. We had to take the garbage cans to the end of our driveway. That was his job. Early in that task, I promised him money to do the task. It was an allowance. You get an allowance, you take the garbage cans down. The only problem was, that's exactly what he heard. I get the allowance, then I might take the garbage cans down. Now you can imagine what happened. I want my allowance. You didn't take the garbage cans down. What? If you want the blessings of God, you need to be obedient to the call of God. We, we, we want all of the great things that God does. We want blessing on our family. We want blessing on our lives. We want to live at peace with people. We want all of these things, and many of us claim them. But according to what Paul said, that we'll have full understanding of every good thing we have if we share our faith which makes perfect sense to me. Friends, as we draw this to an end, here's what I want to ask you. What are you willing to do for Jesus? When are you going to lay it down and just say, here I am, Lord, use me. When are you going to become more involved in sharing your faith than sharing your political views? When, when are you going to use all of the things, the resources at your disposal for the cause of Christ instead of for your own personal gain? Twenty-five years ago, I stepped foot out of my car onto the curb across the street. And I knew this was the place that God called me. I hadn't spoken to anybody except on the telephone, but I knew this is what God wanted because this place has purpose in the plan of God. And I would just ask you to do what you know God is calling you to do. To go to your neighbors, invite them to church, invite them to the gospel, invite them to know the Jesus that you know. Share your faith. And you're going to say, Bob, I don't know how to do that. Then do the best that you can. You know, that's all that God is ever asking us to do is the best we can. So do that. And you will see this church, this building filled with people. You will see this community changed because it will change with the gospel. So do that. And I invite you to make a decision about that today. If you don't know Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're still in the hope so stage, I hope I'm going to heaven. If that is where you are, uh, Pastor Jeff is going to be up here to speak with you about that. I, I certainly would not turn you away either. But you can know what's going on. Some of you just have some real difficult times that are going on in your life then make sure that you are sharing that with people so that you can pray. 
We're a team because we're part of the family of God. And as a good teammate, we'll take time for each other. And so I invite you to think about that and what it means in your life. Let's pray together. Father, I so much thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. I thank you for the hope that is within us that is because of you. I get it, God, that there is nothing good within me except that which you have cleaned up and placed there. It is incredibly amazing to me that you would count me worthy to die on the cross for me. But you did, and I know it. And I pray, Father, that across this room right now, your Holy Spirit is convicting us of the lackadaisical manner in which we handle the death of Jesus on the cross on our, our behalf. That we act somehow as if we've earned it or deserve it. That we have grown to this place that we expect your blessing. When God, there is not one more thing you have to do for us to prove how much you love us other than die on the cross. So if we are never blessed again, if we all suffer the, the issues that, that Lot suffered, or if we suffer the, the issues that Job suffered, it would, could not take away from what you have done in our lives to save us for eternity. Might we recognize that? Might we be reminded of it? And then might we also know that you have placed us as ambassadors for Christ in the world today. Help us, God, to go into all the world. Might it start at school? Might it start at our workplace? God, it may need to start in our homes. May we be who you want us to be. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor. Bird. 